Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Around the globe. And g'day and welcome to the call on this Thursday 10 stocks picked by... You two experts, one hour. It is Thursday the 10th of November. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have your company and our two experts on the show today. Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Welcome. Interested to know, uh, look, there's so much going on that investors have to consider at the moment. Uh, You've got the US midterms, uh, you've got the inflation report due tonight, and then the meltdown in the crypto market. (laughs) Ben, what's worrying you most at the moment? Oh, There's plenty of things. I mean, I think the inflation print tonight overwhelms everything else and um, you just we just got to hope that we start to see the month on month number nudging towards 0.2.1 and you start to see a pathway to three next year um, I think there's reasons to think that that can happen um, you know the crypto things amazing it's like you know I was in freefall when I was looking this morning and there's been you know there's quite a bit of um, corporate stuff going on once again as well, which we haven't seen all this year. It's been really quiet, M&A-wise. Mm. A couple of the small stuff getting taken over. But yeah, I think all eyes on inflation tonight. Yeah, we've got to get to the takeovers in just a moment. Yeah, Grady, what are your thoughts exactly. just about what's going on? So, honestly, like I get to work every day and I'm like, what's what's happening today? What roller coaster are we on today? So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's the inflation out tonight to see exactly if the RBA and what what's going on globally if the, if it's working if it's not working how companies are responding and see how the markets will respond tomorrow obviously yep all right and of course still no resolution just as far as the midterms are concerned although it looks as though the Republicans are going to take the lower house but the, importantly the uh, the Senate uh, it's uh, up in the air at the moment mm. all right well let's um, take a look at the stocks as picked by you the first five Janison education and in the same space Cluey Pentanet Central Petroleum and Nitro Software but stock of the day in fact we've got two because there is a lot happening in the MA space Origin Energy has received a non-binding conditional offer from Brookfield Asset Management uh, it's a $9 a share offer following an earlier proposal to, uh, from a consortium to acquire Origin for $7.95 a share. That was in August. Um, so the current offer valuing Origin at more than $18 billion. It's uh, set to grant the consortium the opportunity to conduct due diligence in order to put forward a binding proposal. Uh, we're also going to talk perpetual, but let's get some view then on Origin and Ben just looking at the current share price, what, 784? Yeah, um, so I mean, the, the board have said that they'll recommend this bid if it becomes binding, so it's only indicative at this point. Um, but there has been some limited due diligence, it sounds like, being done. So I guess, I mean, to me, the shareholders will take this money and run for the hills. You know, this is an incredible get out of jail free ticket mm. for Origin shareholders. Um, I, I guess the market's reflecting some concern that as Brookfield does proper due diligence, goes through the books, it might see some things that look at it and go, because uh, they, they're allowed to just walk away under the terms. So I guess that's kind of why there's still a gap between $9 and 7 82 
but it's you know it's at a Canadian friendly buyer, it's the right buyer, and um, it's you know a great price, I think. So it seems quite generous to me. So. I think if they don't see any gremlins in the books, this goes through for sure. Yeah, but I mean, well, you talk about gremlins, it's such a dynamic sector at the moment, mm. isn't it? There is yeah. so much happening, so potentially yeah. there could be some problems there. Grady, what's your view? Exactly the same, but it's interesting to note this is the third offer revision that yeah. they've received from the same parties. And Brookfield, knowing the management is global, they um, will take it offshore. So it's, it is really interesting to see. but. Um, it's also interesting to note that Brookfield said it would invest an additional $20 billion to fund Origin's clean energy transition plan. So they're already on board with uh, Origin wanting to get out of that coal fuel, the coal-powered fuel, yep. um, and they're wanting to go clean. So they've done a bit of their research, knowing exactly where Origin wants to go, and they're supporting it. So um, Stuart Upson this morning for Brookfield's Asia-Pacific chief executive has said um, the energy transition in Australia presented a once-in-a-generation um, investment opportunity. So... I don't see why this won't get done. Mm. Yeah. All right, watch this space. Um, also, of course, now we have been uh, visiting this stock on and off given what's been going on with Perpetual. It has now rejected a higher $1.85 billion bid from uh, Bearings Private Equity and Regal Partners. Perpetual saying the revised bid continues to materially undervalue the company um, and shares uh, currently uh, up close to 7% today. This is, I guess, it's something about well, for want of a better term, a love triangle, isn't it? Because you've also got Pendle in the mix as well. Uh, Grady, how do, you, how do you view what's going on here at the moment? Well, Bell Potter actually maintains a buy rating on this stock. And they, it's really, I was reading through the research before I came through, and it said that the rejection seems clever. And they said it's clever because some of her petrol's shareholders were upset with the Pendle offer saying it was too too big and um, it overvalued the company. But now it's clever because the second rejection of this uh, takeover kind of gives a bit of leeway to kind of dampen the ground a little bit and soften the blow when the uh, perpetual hopefully takes over Pendle. So um, I don't know if it will, I don't know if they'll go again, but if we're seeing with the same as Origin and the Brookfield and Origin, it could be a third time lucky. So um, yeah, it's a buy rating from Bell Potter at the moment with a price target of $38.73. Yeah, Ben, uh, well, similarly, I guess, you know, it's pretty dynamic at the moment. So yeah. how are you watching it? Um, well, I think they've done a really good, ja- good job jamming Perpetual because what was, everyone hated, uh, from what we hear, a lot of the Perpetual shareholders did not like the Pendle deal and a lot of the hedge funds were shorting Perpetual and going long Pendle, which pushed the share price down and then they've come in at a great point. They've got dissatisfied shareholders, they're buying at a depressed share price. Um, if you're a perpetual shareholder, I think you'd be tearing your hair out because this really has not played out well. I mean, if Phil King can pull off this deal, I think he's done an incredible job. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd probably stick with it. You know, I, I think um, they're, they're genuine. Um, there's always been seen to be value splitting up perpetual and it's still trading quite a big discount to, you know, the, the current bit on the table and there could be others to come in. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, watch this space because, um, yeah, it appears there's still a lot, a long way to go on those uh, particular deals. All right. Well, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, uh, David Wellington about Janison Education, um, recently uh, expanded its partnership with uh, Cambridge University Press to deliver uh, digital assessment products globally. We are talking in the online learning space. Ben, what are your thoughts on Janison? 
Okay, I'm, I'm gonna start by saying there's a lot of small cap, uh, well micro cap loss making business here. So you, I think you gotta look at cash, that's always really important. Um, it's the first thing I look at when you're looking in this area. I, this to me was probably the pick of them. Um, so I'll go buy. Um, they provide the tech platform that IDP, um, governments use to do like Naplin tests. They also have a business that does it direct to consumers as well. Um, they've got 12 million in cash, um, so they're just tipping over into positive cash flow and about two thirds of their revenue is recurring. Um, but you know, $140 million market cap, so you're paying I reckon about 10 to 12 times enterprise value, which is not cheap, but the revenue line is growing rapidly and I think it is quite a sticky high quality business. Um, it's obviously come off a long way as we can see from that from that chart. So I, I, I'll go buy on this one. Um, not the kind of stock I typically look at, but um, you know, it, it, it ticks a lot of the boxes, just very early stage. What, what's your broader view of the online education space? I think it's plays there, but also I guess bearing in mind yeah. that we're likely to get those international students coming back. Yeah, I think it's got to be a great place to be, you know, but it is very competitive and um, um, there's a lot of people trying to get into it and margins are, you know, are, are, are under pressure. but. It's sticky. Australia will have a big opportunity to educate a lot of people, um, and you know, with with COVID ending and borders reopening, we should see that come on. But I think there's also been, you know, a structural change through COVID in in teaching online as opposed to in physical classrooms, tutors, one on one, etc. So. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of tailwinds for a business like this. Yeah, you're right, because I'm hearing anecdotally too from uh, those kids that are actually just, you know, entering universities, a bit of disappointment that all yeah. their all their, their tutorials and their lectures are online, online at the moment, yeah. which is clearly sort of cost beneficial as far as the education <laughs> system yeah. is concerned. Yeah. You wonder however it's the right thing for the end student, Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's the way the world's headed. Um, so, Grady, your thoughts then on Janison? Janison is a buy rating from Bell Potter with a price target of 77 cents. Um, revenue went up 95% on the prior corresponding period um, in the recent in the Q1 FY23 update. Um, the company is really benefiting from its acquisition of the ICAS, so the International Competitions and Assessments for Schools solution. It's the kind of broader expansion into the international market. And so they're really benefiting from that with 14% of their revenue delivered from this uh, solution being $6.1 million. Um, gross profit was 100% higher in the prior, on the prior corresponding period. And the company is really, really looking to deliver on its flagship ICAS program and exam moving forward. Um, the reason that we have the buy rating and the, the price target of 77 cents, or yeah, 77 cents, is um, improved scalability of the business. Now, they continue tr to transition away from the bespoke, um, really niche assessments into the larger scale software as a service platforms. And that's exactly where we've seen tech stocks needing to go over the pandemic in order to remain relevant in the eye of the investor. So there's a lot of value in their shift into that. We've also seen recalibration of ed tech spending um, to support long-term integration of technology. So the company is really looking to expand into the like in taking away the COVID short-term surge in EdTech and really taking that as the long-term driver of their mm. success. So um, it's definitely a buy rating. And I think that being one of the leaders in the, in the space, they're gonna, they're gonna continue to grow. All right, so that is a double buy. And Ben, that means uh, at your next uh, investment committee meeting, yep. you'll be considering it. <laughs> yes, I don't know if it's gonna have the liquidity. I mean, that's one thing I should say, it looks very illiquid. So, um, 
you know, you've got to be aware of that if you are buying some of these shares. Um, you, you can get stuck in businesses like this. Um, but on face value, it looks pretty attractive. All right, so um, to our second stock then, which is in the same space, it's Cluey. Catherine wanting to know about this. Uh, once again, EdTech uh, providing online tutoring and learning support. Um, I, think, I think it's exclusively in Australia at the moment. And but um, So Grady, what's your take on Cluey? Cluey is, it's kind of like the little sister, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like to look at it like that. Um, it's Bellpot has a speculative buy rating on this one with a, pri- a downgraded price target from 90 cents to $1.10. Um, only because the company is really focused on conserving cash right now. They are taking away money from advertising and marketing, I think, because they're looking at conserving cash. That's, that is their priority. They've come out and said that. Um, so therefore, we expect less new students, less growth for the, for the time being. Um, their revenue was of $12 million was driven by record student sessions, up 43% on the prior corresponding period. Um, and student growth was good in the last period as well. And growth in newer markets, including New Zealand. So they have jumped over over the, over the waters there to enter the New Zealand market. So, um, but the operating cash flow was down 26%. So that's obviously why they've turned the focus to preserving cash moving forward. Um, the, yeah, so the revenue forecast is downgraded. Um, it's interesting to see they did acquire CodeCamp um, in 2021 in August. So there's been a, sh- a shift in focus in education sector to enabling kids to learn coding. So I think that's a really, really sh- good strength of theirs. And with over 33,000 students in Australia, uh, they're looking pretty good. But yeah, the dampener is that they're spending less money on the growth front moving forward. All right, so it's a specy buy. Specy buy. Ben. And I mean, it, is in, it's, it seems to be, it's an increasingly competitive field, isn't it? It is. Um, I, I've actually, I've watched the, the CEO present, because um, Bellpot had floated this business. <laughs> and um, um, he, he was pretty impressive, and he's built a couple of these businesses and sold them over his career. Um, so, you know, I think you've got a good founder-led nature to it. My concern with this one is the how fast they're burning cash. So as opposed to Janison, which is tipping over into positive cash flow generation every quarter, um, these guys are still burning around $4 million a quarter. Um, they've got $20 million in cash, so they've got a good cash balance. There's no urgency, I think, that they'll need to raise cash. But, you know, it's just in the area of the market at the moment that's really on the nose. Um, you know, we know that interest rates... Um, as they've moved higher, these businesses' valuations are very sensitive to even very small changes in rates. And that really is the reason that the share price has probably been so weak this year. It's been nothing to do with the business, it's just what rates have done. Um, but, you know, I, I, like I think it's an interesting business because I think parents are spending um, more money to try and get their kids up to speed if they need to or for additional support. There's five million children. It's not a huge market, only being in ANZ, you know, you sort of wonder what it can get to. Um, they've got a $60 million market cap with $20 million in cash, so you enterprise value of $40 million, but if you're burning $16 million a year, you know, that's, um, that gets a bit tight. So I'll go a hold. All right, okay. That is Cluey. Let's, uh, let's get now into... Uh, Pentanet, Sam, wanting to know about this. Um, it is, it's focused in WA, 5G uh, fixed wireless provider, and um, it's uh, essentially Perth-based there. Uh, but it also did have a tie-up with there with NVIDIA's cloud-based game streaming service. Uh, 
GeForce Now. So interesting to see where it takes that. Um, Ben, do you know a lot about, about Pentanet? Look, I, I've, I, again, I have seen the founder present at one of those days where you see 20 present, but yeah. I, I remember it was like an interesting story. So he's basically created um, in Perth, of all places, like a, a, an incredibly high, like I'm not big on the technology side of how he's done this, but he's created a, by putting, um, I think, um, little towers on the top of um, buildings, mm of incredibly high speed um, alternative to the MBN and principally for gaming you know mm. which is why they partnered with Nvidia because you want using much you know what you want faster speeds and greater bandwidth um, so you know they've had to spend a lot of money building out this network and the infrastructure of the network but my concern with this one is a Perth is a very small market, and I guess if you can show proof of concept in Perth, you can roll into other markets, but then you've got the cost of building out the infrastructure in those other markets. Is that their aim, obviously, if they can make a success of it so. in Perth in that yep. smaller market, then they can yep. actually yep. scale up? Yep. And I think, you know, like the customers really rave about what, you know, the value versus what they're getting versus what they're paying, but, you know, you've got to spend money on marketing. It's a, it's a hard spend. They've they bring in about $5 million in cash receipts per quarter, but they're burning about 2 to $3 million per quarter, and they've only got about $9 million in cash. So that is starting to get tight. And I can't see that there's going to be like a, um, you know, the, the revenues are going to go hyper, and you can get the revenue tipping over that cost base, and you start to move into operating cash flow positive. So... You know, like it's an interesting business, but I'll go a sell because I just think um, the cash would concern me. And, you know, I think at the moment, the potential market size and where this business could get to, it's kind of limited for this area. Well, as we can see with the share price, you've already lost there quite a bit. So, yeah, you'd say, I'd still sell it. You'd still sell yeah. Grady. Well... Um, Bell Potter has a speculative buy rating maintained on this stock and an increased price target from 44 cents to 48 cents per share. Um, this is because Bell Potter sees this, if the successful scaled rollout, as you said, they need to prove the concept in Perth first, then move to the bigger markets. And if they're able to do that and grow their next gen mesh network and cloud gaming services, which is we know going gangbusters right now with NFTs and mm. global, uh, global scalability, um, we definitely see that is the way forward for them and they're tapping into that market at a great time it's interesting to see that they actually deem themselves as like a MBN alternative mm. that offers comparable rates to Telstra Optus mentioning Optus the um, obviously the hack recently <laughs> um, they could kind of target that and go into the protection of data privacy and that kind of way forward um, they also have the Nexus update, so that's now deployed 700 plus distribution points. So they're really scaling that up. Um, they had, did notice some of their, um, when they were turning on the Nexus for a few, they, they found turning them on in bulk uh, kind of was better than doing it individually. So that slowed down the delay and deployment of a lot of them in Q1, so that's been pushed out to Q2. But they've figured out the kind of uh, sticky points forward, they're streamlining their processes. And I think, yeah, it's a way, the way forward is to streamline this um, rollout. They've got recurring revenue of $4.9 million, 95% um, of total revenue, which is what we know tech stocks are having to do right now to maintain their value. Um, so yeah, it's a spec buy rating and mm. pending the fact that they prove the concept and move into the bigger markets. 
You're from Perth. Do you know anyone using I it? I am a Perth girl and I actually yeah. know the company. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Well, there you go. Small yeah. place. So what do you really think about <laughs> it? <laughs> we'll talk off it. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it's definitely a spec buy rating. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But I do like what they're doing. I think that they're a good alternative to yeah. the big players out there. Okay, that is Pentanet. Let's uh, get into the energy space. As we know, so much happening there uh, at the moment. Our next stock is, in fact, uh, Central Petroleum. Um, it is the uh, what's the largest uh, operator of onshore gas production in the Northern Territory. In fact, um, taking a look at, I think it's actually holding its AGM today. So it'll be interesting to see what information we get out of that. Um, EPS grew, what, 92% over the last three years, uh, although its revenue is down. Interesting, because uh, we're talking about gas and what's yes. going on in that space at the moment. Uh, Grady, how yes. do you see this one? We maintain, a, uh, the house maintains a hold rating um, with an unchanged price target of 8.5 cents per share. So it has a really low share price. Um, it's only a hold rating because of the forthcoming strategic review. This company has not capitalised and hasn't grown during the energy crisis we are seeing globally. And for being the largest onshore producer of um, gas in the Northern Territory, you'd kind of expect a little bit more. Um, the company has is the production boost is imminent for its Palm Valley production and Marini soon after. So I think at the moment, once that we see the further value to be being unlocked in Australia, New Zealand, um, through their yeah, through their investments to date, that's when the investment review might change. But for the moment, it is a, um, a hold until we see that production ramp up across the board. Ben? Look, this is another one I would normally never look at. So mm. on my quick run through of it, I, I'm going to sell. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's some gas production they're producing. I mean, yes, they're the biggest in NT, but there really aren't any other producers in NT. Um, just to give you an idea, I think they're making 0.002 cents earnings per share a year um, out of that gas production currently. So, um, you know, they've got $15 million in cash, but they also have $15 million in debt. And so effectively they've got no cash. And the only reason I think for me, you know, they, they've got some really interesting acreage. Um, it, this is an exploration play. I think the, you know, the little bit of cash flow that's coming in is probably keeping the lights on. Um, and then they've got some partners in, a, in another area of Australia um, where I think there is some real potential um, for a future gas play. But the problem is, is that they have no money. And, you know, so say those other two partners say we're going to, and the other problem is you're on those other two partners' timelines, like you don't have control over your own destiny. If they go, oh, you know, we'll bank this for a few years and come mm. back to it, you're just, you know, that's, you're, you've got to write, tape right along. If they do start drilling, then Central Petroleum is going to have to start chipping in its share of the drilling costs. And from what I can see, they don't have any money to do that. So. Um, there'll be capital raisings, you know, to fund that potentially, or do they borrow more money? Um, maybe they can do that, but the cost of borrowing that money would be very expensive. Well, it's a long lead in time and you sort of want to take advantage of the market right now, don't you? I would have thought so. Um, but, you know, like they, they could go and drill some holes in this new area and suddenly mm. we could have a new potential acreage and this thing could go to a dollar, I guess. But, yeah, it's just not, for, not one I'd buy. Well, <laughs> So how are you looking at the energy sector in Australia with the energy producers right now? Um, 
In fact, I was, I was speaking to an analyst this morning who's, who's saying that he feels as though energy prices in Europe have now peaked. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Look, I mean, I think one of the things I've said on the show before is that a misconception is that you know, Santos or Origin can just start selling their gas or Woodside into these markets where prices have really run. Um, you can't, gas is a strange production fuel. It, you can't just start to ship it to other markets. It's incredibly expensive to do that. But normally most of these projects are built with customers that have signed 20 year offtake agreements and at locked in prices. So, and look, the contracts are all different, but you know, if you look back at the Northwest Shelf, the Pluto project mm. for Woodside, you know, the, who are, the customers are buying the gas at like a tenth of what the actual gas price is today. So Woodside's, you know, not necessarily making all this extra money. I think coal's interesting still. Um, you know, I think um, you look at the coal stocks, they're trading at like sub one EV to EBITDA multiples. They're paying out like 30% dividend yields at the moment. If the coal price holds up even for another six to 12 months, they're so cheap. You know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It? I was reading this week too. In Germany, mm. um, they're dismantling a, a wind farm mm. to expand a, a coal, coal mine. Yeah. Sign of <laughs> the, it all went a bit too quick, probably. Yeah. Um, well, that's right. That transition, and now it's come back to bite. Yeah, and Russia, of course. You know, yeah. you, it was hard to foresee that that would have happened. Yeah. All right. Well, on that front, yeah, signs that perhaps Russia is pulling back in uh, in Ukraine. But um, of course, that's. Uh, early days to see what's going to happen on that front. All right. I should ask you too, Grady, any other particular plays in the energy space that you favour? No, it's coal at the moment as well. Um, With Japan turning their coal nuclear power plants, oh, that's uranium though, sorry. Mm. Um, Uranium and coal for us with, yeah, um, yeah, Japan turning back on nuclear power plants. Uh, We're definitely looking at the uranium space at the moment um, to see, yeah, exactly where that goes because that's not set to slow down anytime soon. So, Yeah. yeah, that's kind of our focus at the moment. All right, let's move on to our fifth stock. It is Nitro Software. Damien wanting to know about this. In fact, the company, uh, it rejected a takeover proposal from Potentia Consortium. That was at the end of August for uh, $386 million. Ben? Well, they've since had a second bid from yep. a different consortium, which they've agreed to. So, um, you know, this to me is just like an R play now. There's a $2 bid on the table. It's from KKR, so it's a really good counterparty. The board sound like they are completely on board. They've recommended the bid. The stock's trading at 205. So your only question from here is to potentially come back and make a higher bid. The market's saying maybe a, a chance, but I don't think you're going to get too much more. So, you know, I'd probably say hold just because, you know, you, you might find a, um, a, a second. I don't think Potentia have said that we're going to drop out at this stage. If, if they dropped out, you know, then you probably sell and move on. There is a lot of M&A going on at the moment. Are you seeing, are you looking in the tech space? Do you think there's more going to be happening there? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where, like, it's a lot of these mid-cappy, like, Pretendia's made a takeover bid for Tyro mm. as well. Um, we also are seeing a lot of these M&A deals falling over. So it's not like it's been amazing. I think, you know, there's been a lot of kicking the tyres out there and looking, but not necessarily a lot going through. But Nearmap should go through this week or next week. Um, so... You know, I, I think the market to me has got overly negative on this space in the short term. And, you know, you've got the private equity and the smart buyers coming in um, with big funds full of cash looking to deploy. So um, I reckon there will be some more. 
Okay, Grady, what are your thoughts on Nitro then, given those bids? Yeah, it's a hold rating at the moment, pending the outcome of that, but with an increased price target to $2.20. Obviously, with that second um, second bid coming in and the board supporting the Aludo takeover, um, it's interesting to note, though, that Potentia actually owns 19.9% of um, Nitro already. So they have to, well, they don't have to agree to the takeover, but they have actually said they're not going to support any other takeover offers. So... Yeah. That's going to be a bit of a sticky situation for Nitro to overcome. Um, as I said, though, they don't need the potential to take to agree to take it over or to accept the takeover offer. But I think it'd be a bit of a sticky situation having two competing takeover offers um, at the one working together in the one company. Um, They've they've also got the company is really looking good on the expansion front as well, um, and that's obviously why they've got takeovers coming left, right, and centre. So they've got good cash on hand, twenty four point seven million. They did make a net loss though of thirty one point seven million in the last financial year. So it's it is a loss making company, mm. and I think with the bigger bigger um, companies at helm coming through with the takeovers, they'd need to do a bit to turn it around. But mm. I think the Aludo takeover offer is the most uh, appealing at the moment. So a hold rating and to, just to see what happens on that front. All right, so that is Nitro Software. So let's sum up where we've been for the first half of the show um, and we'll sort of uh, finish where we began there also as far as takeovers are concerned because we began with Origin with that bid on the table. Ben's saying uh, take it and run. Uh, that's uh, what the... Uh, the shareholders uh, should be doing. Uh, Grady, pretty much in agreement. The other one we were looking at, Perpetual, that's ongoing um, with that three-way play there. Uh, Grady has a buy for Perpetual. And, uh, well, Ben, I think you made the comment that you'd be tearing your hair out at the moment if you're a, uh, a shareholder. Uh, they're going to get it on the cheap, I think. Yeah. You know. All right. Uh, to the stocks as picked by you, a couple in the online education space. Janison. Um, it was a buy from Benny saying that's the pick of the space and also a buy there from Grady. So that will be considered by the investment committee. Cluey, a spec buy from Grady, um, pointed out that in fact, Bill Potter, you floated the company. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Ben concerned that it is, uh, is burning quite a bit of cash at the moment. So he's got a hold on it. Pentanet uh, focused in Perth. Ben saying it's got a tight uh, cash position there. He would sell it. And uh, whereas Grady, a spec buy. Central Petroleum, a hold from Grady, a sell from Ben. And finally there, Nitro, uh, Ben, a hold, and also Grady, a hold. All right, just as far as the call, it's tracking its own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment community. The latest episode is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in, see how it's performing. Uh, going into November, Instatech Pivot was removed, Seven Group was added to the portfolio, and Mineral Resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and West Farmers weightings were increased. So, to date, the fund is uh, six and three quarter percent higher on a cumulative return basis since its inception at the beginning of March. So, keep sending in requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee is going to be looking at next. 
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. We're going to be looking at next for the second half of the show are uh, Volpara Health, Setai, Index, AMA Group, and Dreadnought Resources. All right, so getting into it in the healthcare space, Volpara, in fact, it's uh, Health Imaging, and uh, well, earlier in the year joined with Microsoft in speeding up its uh, R&D, uh, in particular as far as uh, uh, its, uh, what's the, the breast uh, cancer uh, space there. Um, Grady, let's start with you then, Volpara. Volpara is a buy rating, unchanged, but a downgraded price target um, at the moment to from $1.23 to $1.10. The company is burning through cash quite a lot. Um, and that was because they had cash disbursements related to restructuring of the business and redundancies. So they're trying to trim up operations and they're expecting to cut down on their cash burn over the next um, quarters. Um, they have an increase in cash receipts, increased to $17.4 million in the first half of this year um, but the company is really they're hoping to achieve cash flow break-even in the for the first time in the next half and so in order to do so then they need five million dollars of annual recurring revenue in FY24 at the moment they're looking to they're looking on track to achieve that after signing uh, an early win in FY23 with the Radnet deal um, that's to use Volpara's imaging and mammography Mammography. Mammography, yeah, you're right, you're onto it. I took it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mammography software um, in the US, which is going to bring in $250 US thousand dollars um, annual recurring revenue. So they're starting the expansion, starting to get the AR, ARR underway. Um, it is a really exciting company because we've seen a lot of um, focus lately on the imaging detection space for cancer. And um, But the, the shares have come off this year because mm. of that, obviously, restructure and uh, sell-off in the healthcare space. So it's a buy rating unchanged, but a decreased price target just while the company has that high cash burn. All right, Ben. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go sell. Um, and look, it, it is an interesting business. I think it's got some pretty good technology from what I understand. But I would say I don't understand this area very well. I don't know who the competitors are, how well. The, the concern for me is the cash, as, as Grady was saying. You know, they're burning $4 million, $5 million a quarter. They've done that consistently for the last three years. Um, they've only got $11 million in the bank. So... I'm sure they're aspiring to get to cash flow positive, but there hasn't been any evidence, you know, that I saw when I was flicking through their financials that I'm, I'm just not seeing the growth, particularly on the revenue line, which was, is what would concern me. And to me, they're having to consistently spend money to grow that revenue, which isn't ideal. So, um, you know, I, like without knowing how good the imaging and software technology is and who they are going up against, and there's some big players in this area. Um, the thing that would concern me is this: they've had this technology for some time, and yes, it's growing, but it's not, it's not growing that rapidly, I would say. And I know there's been reasons with COVID and all this sort of stuff and hospitals getting closed. So maybe I would say this year is probably the litmus test for this business. You mm. really want to see 
um, you know, the, the ex not excuses, but you, you, you want to see them start to deliver on what they're saying the opportunity is out there for them. So are you more generally wary of sort of health science, biotech type companies? Because you, you tend to get those binary outcomes, don't you? Either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. And then you've got to commercialise the product. Yeah, I just like, I think you've got to, for me, you've got to stick to what, where you feel there's as little that can go wrong as possible. Because <laughs> so much can. And like, I, I don't know in a hospital in America um, what software there is, but I know that mm. like GE and there's, these huge players, breast um, cancer is obviously a massive issue and it's a very, I would have thought a very big market um, out there. I just kind of struggle when I look at this to think this tiny little company over in Australia might, it doesn't seem like what they're doing is really getting a lot of traction. Yeah. If you look at a Polynovo um, and Nanasonics, you know, you've just seen this S curve in take up and continual contract wins, continual contract renewals, I think are a really important thing. It's kind of like you start to get some confidence that what they've got is getting traction, but it's also, it's set apart from others. Yeah, and as you say, it's so hard to break into those bigger markets. I guess you take a look at the likes of of ResMed and CSL, they're, they're the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, and it takes yeah. years. Yeah. You know, and I know talking about cash is boring, but the reality is if you're losing $4 million every quarter, that's $16 million a year, and you've only got $11 million in the kitty, um, you're probably going to need to raise capital again at some stage, and that just more shares on issue, and you know the business has got to do even more just to get to some sort of reasonable PE at some stage in the future. All right, so as for Volpara Health, uh, divergence of opinion there. Let's uh, move on to uh, the online luxury fashion retailer's satire. Jeremy wanted to know about this, and uh, it actually reported, uh, well, in the three months to the end of uh, September, a 60-plus uh, increase in quarterly gross revenue. Um, interesting space, of course, given what's happening with the broader uh, economic sort of picture. Um, Ben, what are your thoughts on, on Setire and also get your view just, I guess, on online retailing as well? It's difficult. You know, if you look at Kogan and Redbubble, um, market darlings, you know, now completely out of favour. I, I, I think you tend to see that these guys find niches for themselves, but they're not permanent niches. And I just think when you're going up against Amazon, eBay, Gumtree, etc., Facebook Marketplace, etc., it's it's hard, but you know th this guy, these guys' niche is is luxury, um, luxury apparel, as I understand it. Um, this is a much bigger business than a lot that we've spoken about. They're doing like six hundred million dollars in, um, in in well, last year they did. Okay, so here's an interesting fact, and this is why online retail is difficult. They've got two different revenue lines: two hundred million dollars revenue, top line revenue, two hundred eighty million dollars, with a note number one go to number one. This revenue line includes um, things that were sent back. So they, so they sold $280 million of product mm. and $80 million were sent back to them. And yet the cost of turning that round and you can't charge the customer for it because they'll go somewhere else is high. Um, so that's, to me, that's something I want to get my head around if I was looking at investing in this business is why are one third of sales being returned by your customers? Um, is it just because the size was wrong or something like that? But it also says you can't make money if you're doing 
two deliveries on your margins. You know, a lot of these companies actually encourage that. I mean, I guess this is an, an issue with the likes of Amazon. Yeah. Um, in that they will say, well, if you obviously you can't go in store to try things on. Yeah. You buy three sizes. Yeah. You know, and one's bound to fit. Yeah. And therefore, you obviously got to return the others. Yeah. Yeah. But it it eats into your profits. Mm. You know, and we know that logistics like is expensive. Um, you know, if, if I mean, Kogan has had its own issues. And if you look back at it, a lot of it was returns where they were building up. Because once the things get sent back, then you've got to sit on them in a warehouse somewhere. You've got excess inventory. We know that luxury fashion, you know, there's a limited shelf life where things go out of fashion and um, you don't want to get caught with excess apparel. Look, this, this is a business that I, some of the small cap fundies I follow, there are some that really rate this business mm. and they reckon it's going to be it's got a long way to go. Others I know are shorting it. There's, it's a really divisive one. Mm. because, And I can see why when I looked at the numbers, I was like, okay, $600 million market cap. Mm. They, they've only got $20 million in cash. So you're paying $580 million for a business that, yeah, their revenue's just going like that, but they're still not, um, they're only just moving into EBITDA positive. So you're paying a massive enterprise value to EBITDA multiple for the company. And there are things we've seen with Redbubble and Kogan, the things can go wrong very quickly with these companies. And they are taking on the best in the business, which is Amazon. It, given its luxury fashion, do you think it's a little more resilient than some of the other players? Maybe, maybe. Um, but you know, I'm pretty sure if you're LVMH or Hermes or whoever, mm. you've probably got a pretty good relationship with Amazon. You know? Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know the business well enough. I'm going to say a hold, just because I, I've, to me, warrants further work. Yep. There's things I, I saw in there that look really interesting, and things that would concern me, and you need to understand what those things are doing. All right, Grady. It is a buy rating from Belfodder with a price target of $2.20 per share. Shares have come off 45% this year amid the tech sell-off. Mm. Um, so that presents as an opportunity, a discounted opportunity to buy in. Um, the company ha is outperforming the industry with really fast growth compared to its competitors because we've seen a lot of investors and a lot of people around Australia, the world, have shifted to value shopping. So the best and lesses of the world and mm. that share price is going really well and their strength and resilience is going well. But this is a niche and as we said, we, they don't compete with the value market because that is, they're completely different spaces. But the good thing about Satire is that it has a highly scalable model. Um, it's scalable because it requires very minimal labor intervention and 80, 90, 80 to 90% of the business is automated. So they operate with wholesale and third party platforms to, to deliver the products and sell the products. So it's very, very minimal labor hire and skilled labor for them. So those costs are cut there. But the, yeah, the company, as I said, it's got evidence of really, really good um, database as well. It's got $1 billion worth of seller stock value. So I th from what I can understand, people sell, like companies sell through the platform. Mm. And that's why the model is working really well for them because they have very minimal cost outflow, minimal labor. It's all automated. So mm. the cost doesn't sit with them. So at the moment, it's a buy rating because um, they have just turned po uh, profitable as well in the first quarter of FY23. Um, and they expect to continue that through, throughout FY23. 
What about Ben's point there, mm -hmm. the cost of returns? And, yes. and this is the issue with online apparel. Yeah, it is. As you were saying, though, you're, they do encourage, a lot of people do encourage to buy three sizes, send them back at half the, like half the price or whatever, we'll cover shipping. Um, and I think that in a way kind of develops customer relationships. So mm -hmm. they probably have factored in for this cost to be part of their model um, in that they're they're offering such a service. So mm. I think in what you're saying, like it is it is for any online retailer, that is a cost that they need to consider. But given it is one third of sales at the moment, I think that's a cost that they will need to look at moving forward to reduce because that is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to say, as the father of three daughters, <laughs> I see this, the, uh, the delivery driver that turns up to our house every day, <laughs> And so who's paying for this? <laughs> well, they are. Oh, that's right then. First day basis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to something completely different. Um, Imdex, it is, uh, provides uh, tech, equipment and services in the mining industry. And um, you know, so much action there at the moment. We often talk about, you know, is it best to be providing the picks and shovels rather than actually doing the digging. Um, Grady, Imdex. Imdex is a buy rating. It's been upgraded from a whole rating with Bell Potter, but a decreased price target from $2.80 from $3. Um, just because the medium to long-term structural exploration themes have underpinned this. So with gold price weakness lately, we've seen a lot of the um, junior miners taking... Um, not going as hard on the exploration front. Um, so that's kind of come off on their on Index's um, revenues. But the company is really well diversified. It has two product brands, a Reflex and AMC. It has software, it has drilling optimization, downhole navigation. So it goes from the top all the way through the mining process. So it's a really, really strong company in the fact that they offer the services and the infrastructure the whole way down the mining process. Um, Bell Potter sees this as really positive moving forward. Their revenue and earnings are driven by sensor and unit rental software, and they're on the average re revenue um, per unit expansion at the moment. So with so much pressure, so much focus on the mining space at the moment, and so much on the commodities front, and gold looking to turn around over the next 12 months, this company is really well positioned to go with the exploration trends and get higher revenue coming in from that. So for that reason, um, NPAT, Expected to increase to 47 million um, by FY from 41 million, sorry, to F 61 million by FY25. So that's pretty big growth over the next three years. So yeah, definitely maintained, um, gone up to a buy rating just because of the growth in the exploration activities that we're going to see moving forward. All right, Ben. Yeah, I'm a buy on this one as well. I reckon this looks like a good business. Um, I, I, you know, to me, this is one where I think I can understand it because if I'm a resource junior and I've got three drill holes and I've got the money to pay for those three holes and that kind of determines my next five years, I want to make sure that those holes are drilled with the highest chance of hitting something as possible, of not getting caught and stuck and expensive. And this is what Imdex does. It, it helps, it works with small companies or explorers to make sure that the probability of each drill hole is as good as it can be. And if you've got to pay a bit more for that, I would have thought that's a good investment. Um, Net cash on the balance sheet, 30% revenue growth last year, EBITDA margins are expanding as the revenue growth is going up, that's great. Um, pays a dividend, um, looks quite cheap. You know, this is the first company we've spoken to that's actually on a PE ratio. <laughs> it's got an E. Um, right. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think it ticks a lot of boxes to me. And I just think if you look at the, like, 
junior resources, they're cyclical, they go through um, good periods and bad periods. The most important thing is they need to be able to raise money. If, if they go through a period where they can't raise and they can't spend money on drilling. Um, at the moment, um, although the share market's been pretty weak, the junior resources space is pretty buoyant. And mm. um, you know, Bell Potter and Canaccord are doing a lot of raisings every week in this space. So they're getting the money that they need to go and drill and you know, index should be well supported because of that. Yeah, and I guess to your point, Graded Surf, we're seeing that gold price finally starting to move yeah. uh, upwards, then uh, more of those drill rigs are going to be required. In fact, we're going to end with a um, with a, an explorer, so um, watch out for that. Uh, in the meantime, let's, uh, let's catch up with AMA Group. Uh, Nick wanted to know about this. It, uh, it's automotive repair uh, service provider. Um, ben? This one is an absolute mess. Um, <laughs> it should be like really predictable, um, but COVID happened. Um, so these guys are the like number one player in like crash repair. You know, so if you if you have a prang, mm. you'll probably be in a in an AMA facility to fix your car. They've got really good relationships with insurers. That's kind of been their Achilles heel in some respects as well. However. Um, this is a business that has been on the brink of insolvency for some months. You can see back in June, July, August. And it's because I think it, it, there's two reasons when you look back. The first is, well, no, there's three, way too much debt. They've still got about three quarters of a billion dollars in debt and they're not making any money currently. So that is not a sustainable situation. Their bankers, I'm sure, are very nervous. Um, but COVID meant that no one was driving. And because no one was driving, there were no crashes mm. happening. Mm. And but you still got the costs of turning on the lights in all of these centres, paying staff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then when we started coming out of COVID, um, inflation and the cost of everything went through the roof. But they're on these fixed price contracts with Suncorps and IAGs, where they were actually losing money for every car that they were fixing because they were on these legacy sort of things. I'm going to say a hold. I would normally absolutely say a sell on this. Like the financials just look awful. Um, but I, I'm going to go a hold just because um, two things. They've just their biggest client is Suncorp, and they've just they've been going back to and forth with insurers and going. I think basically we will go broke if you don't pay us more to fix cars. You know we're losing money every time you send a car to us. It's not sustainable. Um, and Suncorp have announced they have allowed that contract to be repriced, which is a key contract for them. Secondly, I don't think the insurers can afford for these guys to go broke because they are suddenly going to, you know, they're outsourcing all this stuff and they don't want to do it themselves. They used to do it mm. and they, they were, it was a nightmare part of their business. They need AMA to survive. So, Well, otherwise you just see those prices go up. Well, they'll either have to start roll, you know, doing their own service centres, which they did used to do, mm. and they've lost a lot of money because I think you've got a big corporate trying to run smash repair yards. You know, good luck. But yeah. where, you, the, if you've got someone who really knows the business running their own yard, highly incentivized, they can make money. So I'll, I'll say a hold just because, you know, and we've seen when that Suncorp thing got announced, the share price doubled. There's, there could be some hope. All right. Hope. Hope. Could be dangerous. You'll, you'll need some hope. Because <laughs> $750 million in debt, they made $1 million uh, cash flow last year. Yeah, that's jarring. Yeah. Grady. Exactly the same. It's, uh, it's hard to be optimistic in current market conditions, is yeah. it not? Um, especially post-COVID. As you said, people weren't driving. There was no smashes to repair. And the cost of labour hire is 
as we know, through the roof. So we um, we have a hold rating on this, unchanged. The price target upgraded point uh, for to 25 cents from 24 cents. Shares are down 42% year to date um, when they should be kind of up because people are back driving. We know there's a lot more, or well, car sales are through the roof mm. and new car sales, secondhand sales and the price of these are going through the roof. So smash repairs should be as well because drivers aren't exactly not crashing their cars. Um, cash of the bank declined from 52.2 million to 44.4 million in September, at the end of September. So as Ben was saying, the cash, they're just burning through cash and they're also, they're not making enough money to survive at this rate. Um, they, Bell Potter has maintained a lower end of guidance with the expectations of the company, only because the company have said their price increases are set to be realized soon. But when that soon is, they haven't really defined. So it's all about, uh, they're saying that there are um, tailwinds coming, underlying operating cash flows looking good, but you can't really trust just a when, it's a wanting to wait and see until it happens. So it's a hold for us until um, until that comes along. Or just the last thing I'd say as yep. well is cars are getting smarter. You know, there, there are less pranks happening because mm. the cars stop themselves now before they have them. Yep. So yeah. that's a long-term issue for a business like this. Yeah, it makes you think actually when we actually get to the driverless car. Yeah, there'll be a lot uh, less crashes. Yeah. yeah. But do you yeah. trust well, that? Do you trust a yes. driverless Absolutely. car? I would much rather trust no. a computer than a human to drive a vehicle. I, yeah. I, just, I couldn't see myself as <laughs> well, a human it's sitting there going, while. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a leap of faith. But yeah. it will I, I'm be. telling you, it'll be like a one hundredth of the crashes will happen. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's round it off with Dreadnought Resources. Lachlan wanted to know about this. It is a small cap uh, WA mineral explorer with a particular focus on gold. Uh, Grady, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's speculative buy rating with a price target of 20 cents per share. It's currently at 10 cents and it's up 155% year to date because it's in that rare earth earth space. Um, The company is the main driver and stream at the moment. We're waiting, or Bell Potter is waiting to see just how their yin rare earth project fares. It is um, a neighbor to Linus Rare Earths, which we know had that massive, um, has one of the best. It's made headlines for having one of the best and highest grade largest scale deposits in the world for rare earths. So being a neighbor to that, this company is looking really good if it is able to drill the same similar rare earths that Linus has come come across at their deposits. So it's a specy buy um, with a price target of 20 cents. And the company, it, it's, a, it's weighing on the release of the uh, maiden MRE on the Yin project by the end of CY22, so the end of this year. And then the assay results due November this year and then further assay results, drilling program. And it's, yeah, we're at the start of the process. So as soon as we see the steps coming along, positive news coming along, that's when we can kind of dive in. But it's specky buy at the moment because of its neighboring to Linus Rare. Well, yeah, it ticks those boxes, doesn't it? Particularly as far as those investors that are looking for the next best thing in that space. Um, So Ben, do you agree? Uh, I'll go hold. Look, I've got nothing on this one. Sorry, Lachlan, I think it was. um, It's not the sort of stock I'd ever invest in. it is drilling, as, as Grady was saying, there is news flow coming though. So I guess this is the time you, you know, you want to be in these stocks. Um, you know, it's, it's either going to come out and say, look, look what we've discovered, hallelujah, it's going mm. to 50 cents, or uh, look what we've discovered, it's going back to two or three. And it is very illiquid. You know, it goes for long weeks where it never trades. So the share price reaction is probably going to be a lot more violent just because the liquidity seems very low. So, um, what, what are your thoughts more generally on, well, be it rare earths or some of those battery metals? Um, you know, you have to look at lithium. It's run so hard recently. Mm. Are you a bit wary? 
Uh, it's kind of like coal, you know. <laughs> it's like they well, look. It is energy. Yeah, it is yeah. energy. I mean, yeah. they they look they still look cheap. I would say many of them, but they look cheap using the current spot price of lithium and rare earths. And um, I, I'd be more wary on the rare earth side, a hundred percent. Like if the Japanese hadn't supported Linus, there's no way that mm. that would have ever got into production. Um, I think people massively underestimate what the cost of actually. Okay, say say you find a great rare earth deposit. The cost of getting that um, into production and then building the processing plant, we've seen with Linus, you know, billions of cost overruns. You know, mm. so the economic case needs to be so strong. Like the, the resource needs to be, you know, like wow, um, just to get there. And hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars need to be spent. So lithium, um, you know, we own mineral resources and, um, you know, we think that's got still a lot further to go. Uh, but, you know, I think in the juniors, I'd just be really careful because I think there's going to be a point where, and we saw it a few years ago, the cycle will turn at yeah. some stage. The producer, you want to be in the guys that are making the money now, making the most of the current Well, I guess that's the problem, isn't it? People start to be a bit more specky. In yeah, own. they start, you start, everyone starts going down the quality curve, yeah. neurology starts to yeah. kick in, you know, it's that classic psychological <laughs> nature of booms and busts. All right, let's uh, sum up the second half of the show. Uh, Volpara Health, it is a, a buy from Grady, but um, acknowledging it is uh, burning cash, so Ben has a sell on it. Uh, Setire in the, uh, the online uh, luxury fashion retailer. Uh, Ben's got a, a hold on it, um, but he, he acknowledges a very divisive opinion among uh, those who, who cover it. Uh, and to that point, Grady has a buy on it. Uh, Imdex in the uh, servicing the mining industry, it is a double buy. So that's another one to consider for the investment committee. AMA Group, a, uh, well, Ben points out it is on the brink of insolvency nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, he does have a hold on it, and as does Grady. And Dreadnought Resources, they're a specky buy from Grady and a hold from Ben. Uh, so that is the show today. Ben, thanks for joining us uh, from thanks TMS for Capital. Me. Nice to show you. Yeah, absolutely. And Grady, Thank thanks you. for joining us from Bill Direct. Thank you. All right. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, uh, email the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at TV, and you can find those stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Stay next. We've got the wicked problems. And what is today's wicked problem? Well, stay with us to find out. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.